welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. And I'm really passionate about this subject because there are so many people that are so full of potential but never tap into that potential and they get to the latter part of their life ultimately and look back over their time and say, where did the time go? And they wasted their life. And I don't want that to be true for anyone in this room. I want us to grab hold of life with both hands. We only get one shot at it. There's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. Let's grab it with both hands and let's give it all we've got and do the best we can. And so that's the heart behind all that we're sharing at this point in time. We've talked about a few things already, we're up to week three. And the thing I want to talk to you tonight is something that ultimately is one of the leading causes as to why people waste their life. If I was to ask you, who here has made a mistake or two in their life? Who here has had some major failures in their life? Most hands, if not all hands, would go up. And it's because of these mistakes and these failures that we never seem to get over that we tend to waste our life. And I want to speak into this tonight because I believe it's one of the leading reasons why we waste our life, that we just don't get over the mistakes. We don't get over the failures. We don't get over the things that we've done wrong. And for some reason, we just can't forgive ourselves or forgive others and days go by, weeks go by, months go by, years go by, decades go by, and lives go by. And that's got to stop. Yeah. I want to talk to you about a man by the name of Peter tonight. And Peter was one of the closest people in Jesus' life when he was on planet Earth. He was one of the 12 apostles or 12 disciples. And Peter is awesome. I love Peter. I can so identify with Peter. He was always getting into trouble. He was always shooting his mouth off and he was always putting his foot in it, making lots of mistakes along the way, but he did go on to make a difference. Somehow Peter managed to overcome all of his fears and failures and shortcomings and make a difference. And I wanna read an account of one of the times where Peter messed up. And before I read from the text tonight, I just want to set the scene. And the scene is the Last Supper. And Jesus is just about to be arrested, beaten, battered, bruised, and ultimately crucified and give His life as a sacrifice once and for all. The disciples didn't get that. And so Jesus was trying to tell the disciples that He was about to die. Peter, being ever the impulsive one, jumps in. You're not gonna die. Just does the man thing. He's not listening. He's just talking. Man, listen to me. There's a time to shut up and listen. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, doesn't get any better for you. You're gonna deny me three times, not once, not twice, but three times you're gonna deny me. Peter, again, ever the impulsive one, he's not listening. He's just quick to shoot off what he thinks. I'll never do that. 
I'm not like the other guys. Oh, they might let you down, but not me, Jesus. Me and you, we're tight. I'll never do that. Kind of sounds like this, doesn't it, ladies? When you're driving the car and you say, honey, I think we need to pull over. I think we're lost. And the man says, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. I'm just doing the scenic route. (laughs) Guys, there comes a time when you've got to humble yourself. Ask for help. Shut up and listen. Peter was too busy talking. They leave the place where they were having this supper. They go into a garden and all hell breaks loose. Soldiers come. They begin to arrest Jesus. Peter takes out his sword, starts trying to chop off heads. He doesn't even do that well. He misses, gets someone's ear. You've got to understand, Peter wasn't going for the ear. I mean, who says, oh, I'm going I'm to show you, I'll chop your ear off. No, he's, he's just swinging. And Jesus, making up for Peter's mess again, picks up the guy's ears, slaps it on, he's healed. He says, ear, ear, mate, you'll be right. <laughs> Never tire of that. I just love that. I used to listen to Paul preach. I said, why does he always repeat himself and do the same old jokes? I know why now, because it's fun. <laughs> they take Jesus off. And Peter follows from a distance. And this is where he picked up the text right now. In Luke chapter 22, verse 54, you can follow on your Bibles or on the screen. And it says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance and then some of them there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together. Peter sat down with them and a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. You've got to understand what's going on here. Peter's a proud man. He's an impulsive man. And when he said, I will not deny you, at that moment, he really believed it. And in some short Six hours later, only six hours later, give or take, here he is doing what he said he would never, ever, ever do. You've got to ask yourself, what went wrong? 
I come across people all the time that find themselves in positions that they never ever thought they would be in. They never set out to do, it just seemingly happened. And Peter finds himself in this situation. With the men, I had the privilege of speaking on Saturday morning about before the rooster crows. And you can download that on iTunes or on our website. And I just looked at some things that you can do to prevent the rooster crowing in your life. A quick overview would be, number one, don't listen. Sorry, he didn't listen. Number two, he was unprepared when the test came. Number three, he didn't appreciate his weaknesses. Number four, he ignored the warnings. Number five, he warmed himself at the wrong fire. And number six, he lacked courage. You can download that at another time. And that's all about preventing certain moments in your life. But when I look around a room that is full, like it is tonight, so many people, to think that all of you have just done the right thing and prevented things happening in your life, that would be wonderful. It just probably wouldn't be very true. And so if I had a subtitle to what I was sharing tonight, it would be after the rooster crows. Saturday morning was before the rooster crows and what we can do. But what about if your horse has already bolted? What about if your rooster has already crowed? What do you do then? Because this is the situation Peter finds himself in. He's messed up. He's denied Jesus three times. He was warned very clearly that you will disown me three times before the rooster crows. He said, I'll never do that. Some of you said, I'll never sleep with another woman uh, until I'm married. I'll never get pregnant. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. I'll never do the other. And time and time again, we deal with the fallout of people's decisions. And so what do you do when you've messed up? Well, the good news is you can come back. Peter had a great comeback from a very low moment in his life. There are a few profound moments that led to Peter's comeback, and I want to look at four of them tonight. There are four profound moments in Peter's life that led him back on track. I don't know everyone in this room, and I don't know everyone's story, but I know your story matters to God, and you matter to God. And no matter what you've done and what you've been involved in and what you've said, I believe by God's grace and your willingness to submit to His Lordship, you can come back from anything. That's what makes the gospel the good news. Gospel simply means good news. It's good news because it's good news. You can come back. It doesn't matter how bad your life is right now. You can come back and have a better end than your start. It's not how you start that counts, it's how you finish. This whole series is about us finishing well, finishing strong. You may have had a terrible start to life. You may have been unplanned by your mum and dad. You may have been told that you were an accident. You may have grown up without a mother or a father. You may have been fostered out. There could have been all sorts of things happening. I want you to know you're in the perfect place tonight. And God knew you would be here. You are here by divine appointment tonight. And that's the good news. 
And so what can we learn from Peter's life? And I'm sure if Peter was up here tonight, he would be willingly telling you the things that he's learned from his life in order to help us. And so the first thing I want to look at today is simply this. When it came to Peter's comeback, the first thing you see is it was the rooster's crow that was a pivotal moment in his life. When that rooster crowed, it said Peter remembered. In other words, the crowing of the rooster woke Peter up. When you think about a rooster, those of you who grew up on a farm would know this to be true. The first noise you hear in the morning is that of the rooster. It was kind of like the wake-up call. The rooster was the alarm clock for the farmer. It's that, come on, guys, it's a brand new day. It's time to get out of bed. This was Peter's wake-up call. It was that, I told you so moment. It was a wake-up call that he needed. Because until this moment, he'd been rash. Only six hours or so earlier, he was saying, I will never do that. He was cocky. He was confident in his own strength. He was sure of his own abilities. Maybe that represents some in this place tonight. I don't know what the rooster would represent for you, but it could be that failed exam off the back end of, I don't need to study, I know it all. And the failed exam, it's like, wow, it's the wake-up call. It's not the end. The failed exam is not the end. This means I'm actually not as smart or as clever as I thought I was. I need to actually study. Maybe it's that failed marriage. I don't know too many people that walk down the aisle and think, I can't wait till I get divorced. I just have not met anyone who's walking down the aisle rubbing their hands together about the day they get divorced. I think for the most part, people who walk down the aisle really do have the best intention of sticking together forever. And now they find themselves separated, lonely, divorced. It's a wake-up call. Maybe it's that moment of rage. I've told my story many times of when I lost my call at Bondi Beach a few years back. I was leading a church. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. And I just lost my call. I obviously, you know, had a very busy year. I didn't realize how busy it had been. And I found myself on holiday. I'm on day two of my holiday. I'm on Bondi Beach. I'm just ready to relax because I love Bondi Beach. The trouble is my kids don't want to sit on the beach. The sand is getting everywhere. And, the, and I just lost my call. I'm so glad that the Bondi Beach crew were not filming that day. Because at that moment, I did not care who heard me, who saw me. I just stomped. I just grabbed everything. I, I just told my family they were so selfish. I, I kept finding myself saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I stomped over. I was kicking sand. It's the one that someone didn't punch me in the head. I certainly deserved it. I got in my friend's borrowed car. I'm smashing the steering wheel. I was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. What a selfish family. I can't believe it. All I want to do is go to Bondi Beach. I mean, this is like a wake-up call. And I get home to my friend's house that we were staying at, who he'd just kindly let us use. He'd gone away. We were house-sitting. I found myself throwing things. And I had this wake-up call. What have I done? 
Am I going to be on television on Bondi Rescue? <laughs> it could be that unwanted pregnancy. Whatever it is, let it be your wake-up call. The rooster crowing was a wake-up call for Peter, but it wasn't the end of his life. That unwanted pregnancy doesn't have to be the end of your life. For me, that moment in Bondi, I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, I was. But you know what? It was a wake-up call for me. And I do holidays differently now. I've put some processes in place. I did not want to waste that Bondi moment. For me just to have that moment and say, oh, you know, it's, it's understandable after the busy year I've had, I miss the moment. Many people miss the moments. Yeah. We have these wake-up call after wake-up call after wake-up, and we, we miss them. Yeah. What I love about Peter is this, this rooster crowing grabbed his attention. And that's exactly what it was meant to do. Yeah, so the comeback starts with waking up. Secondly, it was the look that Jesus gave Peter. It says that when Peter denied Jesus for the third time, the rooster crowed immediately. As he was on his last sentence, maybe even his last word of that sentence, the rooster crows. Now Jesus had been with Caiaphas and being interrogated. And so up at that point, Peter hadn't seen Jesus. But just at the right time, I mean, just as Jesus was coming out, being handed from Caiaphas back to Pilate, just at that moment, Peter finds himself denying Jesus. So he's doing what he said he'd never do. The rooster's crowing, and now he sees Jesus. And Jesus gives him a look. He doesn't say anything. A lot of people would read that and because of their understanding of who Jesus is, they might think that Jesus said with his eyes, told you so. Maybe you come to that conclusion because that's the look you got from your parents. That disapproving look. But I don't think that's the look Jesus gave Peter that day. Because this moment did not take Jesus by surprise. Jesus predicted, Jesus prophesied this happening. Jesus said, look, the devil wants to take your life and I'm praying that you will not lose your faith. And I think not only the rooster crowing woke Peter up, but I think it was the look that Jesus gave him that, that gave him just enough courage to go on. I think it was a look of compassion, the look of a loving friend and father. They said, I, I knew you'd do it, mate, but, but don't give up now. Don't give up now. The look that Jesus gave Peter that night is the look he's giving you. And it's not one of judgment. 
It's not one of I told you so. God does not need us to mess up to justify what he knew about us in the first place. He gets no joy out of us messing up just to prove himself right. I've been around long enough to feel the sadness of being proved right. There's not much joy when you're right at the expense of someone's health, wealth, and well-being. And I think Jesus looked at Peter that night and it was a look of compassion Care and kindness. The third thing I see from this portion of scripture that we've read tonight is the words of Jesus. You see, when that rooster crowed, it said that Jesus then, uh, Peter then remembered the words of Jesus. And as Christians, it's our responsibility to remember the words of Jesus. You know, as a parent, I want to protect my kids from all sorts of nonsense that's out in the world. Here's the reality. As kids, I could. But as they're getting older, I can't protect them from everything that's on television, on the internet, in schools, in the universities. I can't protect them from all of their thoughts and philosophies that their friends have. I wish I could, I just can't. And so what I drum into them as much as I possibly can is remember the words of Jesus. And in order for us to do that successfully, we've got to have a daily reading plan. We've got to prioritize times with God that his word can get a hold of us again. And at this moment, Peter rightly remembered the words of Jesus. When you're in trouble, I want to encourage you, remember the words of Jesus. See, it's not so much what you've done, but it's what he's done for us. The Bible says that he loves you. You've got to remind yourself. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again for you. He, He intercedes and prays for you. You know, a couple of years ago, as a staff, we did a Strength Finder gift course. And at the end of it, you read the book, you go online, you do the answers, and and it comes out with your strengths. Many of you would have done that. Well, in my top five, one of them was (laughs) self-assurance. Surprise, surprise. And so because of that, people have said to me, it's, it's all right for you, Tony, because you've got this gift of self-assurance, and so it's easy for you to get over things and through things. And there is a measure of truth in that. I, that's fine. Just like uh, for Jess, who was singing up here, it's easier for her to sing than me because she's been gifted. So th- there's a truth to that. But what you need to know, it's more than just a gift that gets me through. It's theology. Yeah. It's understanding what Jesus says about me in my times of weakness that ultimately gets me through. And my gift alone, my gift of self-assurance alone is not enough. I have to actively remind myself of who I am in Christ. I have to talk to myself as I remind myself. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And so there's times I'll say it out aloud because as I hear myself saying those words, faith rises. 
And I say, I, I might have messed up, but I'm not a mess up. There's a big difference. I'm the apple of His eye. God does not make junk. God does not make rubbish. He formed me and fashioned me in my mother's womb. He knew me before the world was even created. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I might have messed up, but I'm not going to allow this mess up to stop me fulfilling my plan and my purpose. And I begin to remind myself of the Word of God and the promises of God. That's what Peter did here. He remembered the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And who knows, maybe at that moment, Peter started to remember other things that Jesus said. That you're a rock and on this rock I'll build my church. These things are going to help us get through our darkest day so that we don't just exist on planet earth and waste our life, but we, go, we get through these moments. So we have the rooster crowing, the look of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and lastly, the tears of Peter. When Peter denied Christ for the third time, and saw Jesus looking at him, he wept bitterly. That's what the Bible says. He wept bitterly. This is a sign of deep repentance. He wasn't crying because he'd been caught out. There's a difference. It wasn't just regret or remorse there was a deep repentance. You see, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he wept too. But it didn't change his life. In fact, he went and hung himself. See, someone might be crying and another person might be crying, but they might be crying for two different reasons. But these tears of Peter's were tears of repentance. See, tears are good if they lead to a new devotion to Christ and a new determination to serve Him. For Peter, his tears signaled the breaking of his heart. In Psalm 51, verse 17, it says, A broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. I'm a father, a natural father. I've got young kids, but I've been a dad long enough to know the difference between tears of regret, tears of remorse, and tears of repentance. And when I see tears of regret or remorse, I'm going to go harder. I, I, I'm not going to buy into that. But when I see tears of repentance, Dad, I'm so sorry. As a father, it breaks my heart. It's so easy just to wrap your arms around your kids when they've got these tears that I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not upset just because I've been caught. I'm upset because I've upset you. If we could have such tears, I believe we can have a breakthrough. 
Because the good news for broken people is how Jesus responds. Jesus' response to Peter's brokenness was that he never criticized him. <laughs> you don't see Jesus like, oh, you cry, baby. Man up. You did the crime now, do the time. It's not the heart of Jesus. He never criticizes him, and he never gives up on him. This is our God. God so loved the world that he gave heaven best. See, our best is always second best to God's best. You know, I'm not a doctor. But I have heard on good authority that when a bone is broken and then reset, where it becomes reset, it becomes stronger than it was before. And I believe God wants to use our brokenness to make us stronger than ever before. See, Christians aren't perfect people who never do the wrong thing. But they are people that are in love with God that through brokenness become stronger and desire to serve God out of gratitude. That becomes a motivation. This is not a license to sin and keep messing up. That's not what we see with Peter here. This is a man who is broken. This is a man who has wept bitterly. And all he wants to do is make it right. And he's greeted with a God that loves him, doesn't criticize him, doesn't judge him, but offers him another chance. And that chance is a chance that he's offering me and you tonight. And how we respond to this invitation is completely up to us. Peter could have been overcome with such remorse and regret that like Judas, he went off and hung himself, but he didn't. He responded differently. Because that's the nature of any relationship. At the end of the day, Christianity is a relationship. It's not a religion of rules and regulations. It's a relationship. And for every relationship to work, it takes two. And so when Jesus looks at Peter, he's looking at him like, I'm willing if you are, Pete. I'm willing if you are Clive, Judy, Toby, Rad. I'm willing if you are. See, the ball is in our court. Are we going to receive him? What are we going to do with Jesus and the invitation that's available to us? 
Are we going to hold on to our failures for the rest of our lives? Or, or are we going to take this moment to give them to Him? Are we going to hold on to our failures and use them as excuse for the rest of our lives? Well, you don't understand, Tony. I never had a good father like you had. It's easy for you. And there's a, there, there's a truth to that. But this good father that I had, what you need to understand about my dad, he never had a good father. Here's the difference. He never went around whinging and complaining about the fact that he never had a good father. He recognised he didn't have a good father, saw what not to do and did the opposite. We can learn from a good model, a good example or a bad model or a bad example. It just depends how we respond. And Peter responded to the wake-up call that was the rooster's crow. He didn't just say, ah, this is another. No, he responded. He responded to the look of Jesus. He responded to His words and He responded with tears. And the result was his shame was turned into sympathy, his failure into faithfulness, and his guilt into grace. This is our God. We need our musicians to come. As I close with this thought, Jesus turned Peter's mess into a message. See, what you need to understand about this moment, Peter was all alone. The other disciples, they weren't around. And so when Peter was denying Jesus, and it wasn't just that he denied him, on the last time it got pretty heated. I mean, he, he starts swearing, he's like, damn it, man, I don't know the guy. May God strike me down dead if I know this fellow. I mean, he just lost it. He said a whole heap of things. It's amazing when you're under pressure what you revert back to. I imagine Peter thinking, I haven't used language like that since I was a fisherman. When the pressure's on, we revert back. Peter finds himself reverting back. But you know what? No one was there. This didn't need to be in the Bible. There's only one way that this could have been in the Bible. Peter told everyone. That's why I know his tears were true repentance. Because when you're truly repentant, you want to you use your life to help others. And, and, and Peter has an incredible breakthrough. And he's basically said, here's my mess. And God's turned his mess into a message. And that's what he wants to do with me. And it's what he wants to do with you. Turn our lives into a message to help others. Peter can say, look what I did. But God forgave me. A few weeks later, we see Peter standing up before her hostile crowd and 3,000 people respond to his message. He refused to live as a failure even though he messed up many times. And when he got to be old and grey, he could say, I didn't waste my life. I don't care how young you are, 
how old you are in this place. We all have a certain time left on this planet. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste it. But we will if we live with this failure attitude. There is forgiveness on offer because Jesus loves you that much. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.